0: to steal some time here's the usl's kelsey steel
1: welcome into the show july 21st 2020 week five's up and running i'm kelsey steel joined by my lovely co-host scott stewart i don't think our pod is ever really gonna feel uh normal scott um i think for those of you who aren't aware USL offices have not been open since mid-march so we've been working home ever since and I know it's, it's really weighing on Scott, not seeing me at at this point. Um, Yeah, it's, you
2: know. Literally at a loss for words.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do. I miss seeing your face every day. We're not neighbors anymore. I mean, our lives are just completely changed, Scott.
2: It's actually kind of whack. I had like an existential moment earlier this week where I realized that like, in almost the blink of an eye, we're halfway through 2020, like over halfway through the, the calendar year that is 2020. Um, and I was having a conversation with a friend who actually brought up something that happened in February, and I was like, wait, February was not like a month ago. February was literally like half a year ago. Um, yeah, it's been tough, though. I'm, I'm hoping that we get back safe and healthy soon enough. Um, I really just need to hear Nicholas hitting me with some factoids from the side of my ear while I'm like in the middle of, of doing something because it's just like he's got to hit me with something cool for the team of the week. So I miss everybody. I'm glad we're all safe and healthy to my knowledge. But um, yeah, sooner than later.
1: Just the sound of a soccer ball hitting somebody's desk or table or wall or something. You know, just, just the little things in life, really. Just I mean, looking
2: over the quick apologetic wave, like, oh, that was me. It's like, yeah, we saw you do it. Don't need to clarify. Thanks, though.
1: I mean, it's mind-blowing to me when you think about, like, oh, February like feels like yesterday, but also Tiger King happened in 2020. Like, are we, are we sure that was the same year?
2: We're into the dark part, and this is a stolen tweet from somebody, but we're into the dark part of quarantine. Like, stimulus check, Tiger King was, like, the cool part of quarantine, and that was, like, four months ago, which is just difficult to wrap my mind around. But you know what? We got live professional soccer back. It's a nice distraction. I'll put the chopstick down um, and we can have a good conversation.
1: I love it. Live soccer is back. We have a ton of um, great stuff coming everyone's way today. So I know you and I have been talking about this a lot. We're so excited to share um, our interview with Austin Bowles, Amobia Kugo. I mean, he has to be the busiest player, I think on and off the field in the league. Um, this past year alone, he interned for LeBron James's media company uninterrupted. So probably, I mean, I'm speaking for you here, but one of our favorite interviews to date, um, just a really interesting conversation with a very intelligent, um, guy that honestly, we're just lucky to have, um, in in the league. So. We'll get to that later in the show, and um, everyone should definitely stick around for that one because it, it was a really great interview. But obviously, before we get there, we've got to talk a little week four play here. And um, results kind of all over the place in week four. So much so that our Pick'em Experts results were hilarious. <laughs> I think Jeff Reuter put out a tweet a few days ago, and it was like X, X x for like all of the games except for um the sacramento reno game which obviously was a um a late game winner by cameron Iwasa. but um i I think it's kind of a little bit of the point that we're at right now uh scott and, and i wanted to ask you initially here if if you felt that all of these with, with the way that we're going here and, um, results kind of all over the place. And on top of that, the amount of stoppage time madness that we had in week four, um, four results came in stoppage time this past week. Do you think that's a sign of, of fatigue the guy is just rusty? Are we trying to get back with it? Um, or do you think this is something that we might see over, you know, the next 12 to, to 15 weeks if we're, you know, including the postseason?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I've never been more prepared to be wrong on so many levels. And I think, like, that's that's the cool part of this, right? Like, I think it's fun to make predictions, and it's, like, obviously cool to see all these teams take shape and everything, but, like, some things I just think are, are out of the woodwork, you know what I mean? Like, Pittsburgh putting six up after their attack looked like they were going to struggle against Louisville one week earlier. You got some consistency, like, Indy's been pretty consistent. The rowdies against North Carolina at home. The same thing happened last year that we talked about. So that felt like kind of like a record scratch. But I think it's just been it's been encouraging that um, the drama that I've been missing in terms of on field results is finally living up to the hype. And uh, I'm not envious of your of your panel and, and your place on the pick'em because that just does not sound like a good time for for anyone's personal ego or um, or their standing knowledge of the USL Championship.
1: It's a group effort of failure here, Scott. You know, like we are, we are in this together and we are failing together. So I guess we've got at least that going for us there. Um, if if I was a lone wolf with you know five exes last week, I think I would have taken uh, a little bit of a hit there. But um, since since my guy Mike Watts is equally as bad this past uh, week, it's a little bit <laughs> a little bit better. Um, but I mean, week four was was really weird in that point where we had. Of course, a Sacramento with that that late game winner, RGV equalizes with an insane mm-hmm. goal. Um, Memphis equalizes. Colorado Springs equalizes. Um, you know, we'll get into each of those individually, but I think the Colorado Springs game is one I initially want to bring up here because I think that was a, a stoppage time equalizer that we were simply just not prepared for in the mm-hmm. slightest I mean Colorado Springs was down 3-1 in like the 88th 89th minute and then um they score in the 89th minute and then again with the equalizer in the 94th minute against 2019 title winners um what were your initial thought I mean you're watching this game and you're thinking you know Monarchs got in the bag, no question. They're at they're at home. They're up. They're up two uh, two goals. This they, sh- they they at that point should have had it in the bag. No.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think up two goals and up a man because Andre Lewis gets right? sent off in, like with a quarter of an hour to go. Um, Indiana's finest Jordan Burt, pulls one back for Colorado, and I think that obviously helped the momentum. But this is one thing that we saw a little bit against New Mexico, just shades of it earlier. But I think. One of the main differences between this switchback side and what we saw last year is there's clearly a group effort of resilience that is sort of ringing through Alan Koch's side right now. And obviously, a long way to go, right? Like, we're only in our second week of return to play for the championship. So, um, expectations are probably a little bit lofty right now across the board for everybody. But I mean, this is a side that I think their professionalism was stepped up. Obviously, their resilience, obviously, their ability to see a game through all the way through and not just like how easy would it be for Colorado Springs to be at Zion's bank or, or in SLC and sort of be like, yeah, well, we're down a, a man with a quarter of an hour to go. We're down two goals. Like, let's just pack it in. And instead they push through it. They get the equalizer or they get the, the first goal to bring it back. There's a lengthy amount of stoppage time. Shout out hydration breaks. They decide they can go for it, and obviously it paid off. I'm really excited to see this team progress.
1: I agree, and um, I think we've been long waiting to see what Alan Koch's side was – what that was going to be like. A lot of questions, I think, surrounded bringing him onto the the helm there uh, in Colorado Springs, so – um, you know, obviously that's only a, a point coming out of that one, but I would take that as, as a major win if, if I were the switch fashion company, you talk a little bit about, um, that, that matchup on Friday between the Tampa Bay Rowdies and, and North Carolina, obviously it's one I want to touch on a little bit because I was on site for it, but, um, Killing it.
2: as the sideline reporter, don't just say like on site, like that was <laughs> such a casual mention that you were on site for it, you know? Give a little no. shout out, you know, up yeah. on ESPN two under the lights Friday night soccer, nothing better.
1: I, I appreciate that. Yeah, the, the broadcast team, the the clubs, the players, everyone had to really the ops teams especially had to go through a lot with that game, um, with that almost two hour rain delay. So um, I want to give a, a kudos there to the ops staff of for the rowdies because there was a, a tall task. I'm, I'm not sure if you guys could see from the camera level, but water w- was just sitting on Al Lang and um, they did a really good job of making that that field playable so um, kudos to them but I think this is a, a tale of two halves when you look at the Tampa Bay Rowdies in North Carolina FC's meeting at Al Lang on Friday night um Timbe Bay looked fantastic. I think that, that first 35 minutes, um, I talked to, to Neil coming out of the break and, um, you know, got some thoughts from him on the first half as a whole. And he was straight up like, you know, our last 10, 15 minutes here, they were not good. They were not where they needed to be. Um, and he's like, we're going to come out in the second half and it's going to be a completely different game. We're going to play this. Like it's nil, nil. Um, obviously that's not what we saw in the second half whatsoever. Um, so it, it, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall with um, Dave Saracan and his staff there in the locker room because the adjustments that he made obviously completely changed that game. Um, and I, I think it's really interesting when you look at how that second half progressed. Um, I, I was happened to just be on um so when you look at outlaying the way it's set up for a broadcast if the the camera is on the opposite side of where the the coach's bench is so for me to hear what the coaches are saying and and talk to them at all I have to walk around the field to do that so I, I went over to the other side of the field just to hang out and see if I could hear anything and like i'm not even kidding maybe 30 seconds before that goal um the the equalizer i am hearing dave Sarakin tell his guys there's not enough pressure in the box you guys have to get in the box you have to be more dangerous and then bam it's like a clock just switched and and, um obviously they, they equalized it there and it was just like you have to, I think that's where Day Serkin comes into play with that team and how big of an effect he has had with this club. Um, you know, I, great coaches make great changes, and I think that's really what we saw there in, in the second half. And, Scott, you went on the record last week saying how unimpressed you were with Tampa Bay. You expected a, a lot more out of them against their outing against Atlanta. So I have to come back to you and see where does that comment stand now after you've seen this past week's play?
2: Yeah, a little, I mean, disappointed, right? Like, I think that's that's normal. Um, and I think that's probably a word that that was heard frequently in their locker room over the last week or so. Um, at the same time, um, all credit to North Carolina, who has really had the Rowdies number a little bit over the what last year that? year and a half. I don't know, because Tampa Bay, I think last year going into the game at L.A., Tampa Bay was on a little bit of a hot streak. And then um North Carolina came in. It was like one one for a little bit, and then uh, North Carolina just took over the game, literally, like Dre Fortune takes over and, and ends up bagging their winner in a three one. Um, but you touched on it really, really well, and I can only echo this. I think the way that that Dave Sargent talks to his players and the way that he is sort of, um, I mean, he's a player's coach just like Neil is, right? Like I think it, they're obviously a lot different. I think Dave's a little bit more of a, a warmer. Um, softer type whereas Neil's a little bit got a little bit more Scott in him Um, not this Scott but like actual country of Scott Um, and so I think their their coaching styles are a little bit different but I also remember last week us talking about how we really hadn't seen what we wanted to see out of North Carolina and they just hadn't had that opportunity right like they looked they looked good against Louisville in week one they were unfortunate to lose that game Um, I think they were probably a little unlucky but also didn't start the way that they wanted to start that game and then, just like you said, a couple words, right? It's just it's one phrase, it's one little bit of kick at the right time from their technical staff. That's what spurs them on. And the Rowdies, of course, are gonna are gonna take that one on the chin. Um, I think their their tweet on Friday was like fuel for the future or something like that. And so that probably won't be one that they forget. But unfortunately, um, you can't just change the result because of um, of how you feel after the game. So rough on the Rowdies. Um, they will continue to be this little bit of a roller coaster until they're not anymore, but, um, a large amount of credit to North Carolina FC for the way that they battled back.
0: You
1: talk about battling, uh, that Pittsburgh Riverhounds, And when you talk about that, I mean, I, I don't have words for their performance on, um, over the past weekend, Scott, you mentioned it a little bit here in in our opener, how impressive, pittsburgh looked because in in week three we weren't exactly sure what we were watching you know i think there were a lot of questions coming out of there was you know how legit that pittsburgh side was going to be because i mean you know if you're talking like week one back in march we didn't have a lot of expectations when it came to pittsburgh they lost a lot of key pieces so for for them to put on the show they did against philly um i i am pleasantly surprised um and i feel like you should never say that with a bob Lilly squad i know we're like echoing ourselves here but um canardo forbes is inching so close to that michael chang assist record now um keeps playing the way he is he's going to break that easily by the end of the season but a six-zero, is a like slashing of, of philly really um you have to be impressed uh, with the riverhounds coming out of week four now
2: yeah 100 percent um I think it's, it's of highest praise that I had multiple people reach out to me this weekend and ask why Bob Lilly hadn't really had a shot at the higher level, right? I think yeah. that a lot of people looked at that performance on Saturday. And the, the question for Pittsburgh becomes, are you peaking at the right time? And I don't think now they don't even have enough data, like it's too small a sample size for them to say yes or no either way. Uh, but you look at, at Coach Lilly and the impact that he has on that side And more than anything, it proves that there are certain players who are actual just like they're just straight up ballers. They work anywhere. And then there are certain players who within certain systems are going to thrive more than they could elsewhere. And Coach Bob Lilly has to be one of the greatest system coaches in American soccer right now. He has built this up. He has emulated past success while continuing to make little minor tweaks that have made major differences. And I think It's hard on Philly, right, because they just went down. I mean, when a sinking ship is sinking that fast, all you can do is just sort of either stare at it like an oncoming train wreck or look away. Um, But Pittsburgh obviously going to take advantage. They know that goal difference matters a lot in the Eastern Conference, and I'm not surprised by the performance that they put on. Probably a little bit surprised by the timing of it. Um, But it just goes to show that, that for Coach Lilly and the Riverhounds, there really is no ceiling that we can see. Yeah, at
1: least. I think that makes that so much more fun. It, it makes this restart a heck of a lot more fun because the expectations we had leading in to to March in the 2020 season are completely out the window. This is anybody's game. And what comes in October could be a complete surprise or completely expected for all of us. There is, there's no knowing going into it. So I think um, that, that makes this restart a heck of a lot more fun. The last one I want to touch here on, Scott, is um, Sunday's match between San Diego and um, LA Galaxy 2. Um, obviously, a lot riding around that with Lynn Donovan. But um, San Diego is always, it seems to me, they're always like that close. And it, it's got to be a little frustrating, I think, for them at this point. It's a tough loss for for San Diego at home. Do you feel offensively they're still trying to figure some things out? I think defensively, when you look at, at San Diego loyal, it's um, they're they're pretty they're solid in the back.
0: Yeah. Um, I,
1: I don't have a lot of a question with Zizo and um, you know Joe Greenspan there lining up in the back. Um, I I feel like mechanically they're still trying to work on some things up top.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I think um, they haven't leaked goals, period, right? Like, they've been a super staunch defense so far, so I'm in total agreement there. I think the the tough part is they also haven't scored very many goals. A lot of their results have been very tight, sort of eke-it-out type, and that works until it stops working, and it stopped working on Sunday night. And I don't think it's it necessarily has to be indicative of future performances, But I do think that when you're used to just grinding out 1-0 every week and then the momentum stops at a point in time, you have to, as a technical staff, not just on Landon, his assistant coach Nate Miller as well, what can we do to sort of create more chances, spur even more out of this game? I think the Galaxy had created something like 15 chances throughout that game and San Diego in the low single digits at that point in time. So maybe an outlier again. I want to reserve a lot of judgment this early on when we're when we're sort of just baby stepping our way back into the return to play. Um, but this is going to be one that it's going to be a huge bummer for San Diego as well. L.A. once again just playing the wild card man. This kind of they are the crazy eight in this wild game of Uno we're rocking right now. They they're absolutely anywhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, Los Dos had double the amount of shots um, in the, of course, eight shots on goal compared to San Diego's just one. Um, and then, of course, possession over in Los Dos favor too. So I think when you talk about tactically and offensively, some things to work out there on San Diego side, and maybe it's just some adjusting a little bit. Um, so I, I think, you know, week five, It'll be interesting to see how that works out there with Landon and his side but um week four man what a time uh a lot of-
2: <laughs> San Diego goes to Vegas this coming week and I'm robbed of the intensity of what would have been a great match but it is it I'm is such
1: a bummer. it is but um looking forward to it nonetheless at least we're getting the chance to see just to, to see that match happen and um it should be a good one. I mean, we just saw them play. I mean, technically that was what two games ago, three games ago.
2: Technically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of ironic when, when you look at it. Uh, but we'll, we'll look ahead more here to, to the week ahead. But first and foremost, we've got to get to to our guest today and um, just to be completely transparent with you guys, we did a few interviews um, back in February as we were prepping for the pod for this upcoming season and um, just had a few of them in the can ready to go when we felt, um, you know, we could, we could pull on it and we just felt like this one needed to get out there um and it is it's such a cool story so we're super pumped about today's guest Austin Bold FC's Amobi Akugo is going to join us after the break you guys he has to be one of the most interesting players in all of the championship and League One. He was a sixth overall pick in the 2010 MLS draft. Played over five se- seasons with the Union before sitting up with Orlando City, Sporting KC in Portland. So 147 MLS appearances. He's in his second season with Austin Bold. Um, but honestly, all that aside, the coolest part about Amobi is his adventures off the field. So he's currently pursuing a degree in sports law casual, um, runs a website dedicated to supporting the financial decision-making processes for professional athletes, which we've talked to many athletes on this podcast about, um you know life after soccer and a lot of decisions that go into that um and then of course his own foundation oh and you know one other thing the the internship he just finished up with uninterrupted which is lebron's digital media company so the dude is busy he's got a lot to say and he's gonna unload um with us here after the break so stick around when we come back Amobi is going to join steal some time
0: Hey, this is Amobi Okugo, and you're listening to Steal Some Time.
1: Welcome back to Steal Some Time. We are thrilled to be joined by Austin Bold FC's Amobi Okugo. Amobi, welcome to the pod.
0: No, thank you for having me. I'm excited to, you know, have this conversation.
1: Yeah, it's going to be great. Listen, things are finally starting to feel a little bit normal again for all of us in the USL Championship sphere. The guys are back on the pitch, and, you know, action's finally underway. And So tell me, how does it feel to finally get back in the swing of things?
0: Uh, it feels great. I mean, it's been a long off season, so to be able to get back at the start of the season and really kind of expand on, you know, what we did last year, um, you know, everyone's excited to get started.
1: You guys finished eighth in the Western Conference in 2019, and I don't think anybody can forget about how close Bold FC was to sitting home Western Conference powerhouse Phoenix Rising in the quarterfinals. That shootout is one we're not forgetting anytime soon. What are your anticipations for 2020?
0: I think we just want to expand on that. You know, we had a good initial season. Um, we felt like we kind of fell short with um, some of our um, our our wishes at the start of the initial inaugural expansion year. Um, but we, you know, we as you alluded to, we played a great game against Phoenix. Um, we felt like we should have met them later. Um, because we didn't take care of our home games and some away games. So we're looking this year to you know make sure we're still a formidable force at home and improve on the road so maybe we, we can host that quarterfinal game and um, move forward. I love that. Here round. we
1: are in, in March, and we're only talking about the picture in October, November. No, nothing like it. Amobi, um, you entered the draft after your freshman year at UCLA so you're what 19 at the time that you, that you're entering the draft talk to me about what that adjustment is like personally and competitively at that age because honestly you're still a kid in a lot of ways entering the MLS draft
0: yeah it's like it's like once you get into that first professional year of it preseason it's like all right now it's not you're not just playing for fun so my first year I was 18 19 at the time and I'm um, You know, the captain of our team is, you know, ex U.S. international, um, has three kids. He's, you know, talking about he has to, you know, put food on the table. And I'm just like, all right, we're just playing to, you know, have fun and win. Um, So that mindset of like, okay, this is a job now um, was really, it took me, you know, a couple months to actually realize. And it's not just, you know, you're playing because you're good at it, you're playing because it's fun, you're playing because uh, you can make some money. But, no this is a job this is how people feed their families Um, and understanding that mindset uh, was really eye-opening that those first couple years
1: what's that adjustment like in the locker room you know because you're you're going from being at UCLA all you guys like you said are just playing for fun you know you're out there trying to um, you know get yourself prepared for a, a professional career and then you move into a locker room where you know there's easily guys 10 years older than you You know, when when you're in that locker room and going out on the pitch, how, how are things different in that sense?
0: Oh, well, just the conversations are different. You know, what the older guys are talking about compared to, you know, what we were talking about, whether it's a college or, you know, the youth teams, you know, we're talking about, you know, school and the latest TV shows and you hear them, they're talking about, you know, life's problems. So understanding that dynamic and being mature and then just understanding, you know, how, The things you do off the field affect what you do on the field so um you know the the older guys i was able to learn from a lot of different mentors you know taking care of your body coming in early you know doing the prehab um, staying after doing the post uh, rehab just you know whether it's foam rolling out ice baths uh, massages understanding that whereas before i could just come on the field warm up run and then after practice do a little workout and go home but um, just the, the, the steps that you had to take, um, that understanding of now it's a 24-7 type job and not just when you come into practice and leave and show for the games. Um, I think that was the biggest thing, understanding that in the locker room and that dynamic
1: you talk about off the field. And I think that we're hearing that more and more how important it is to, you know, be balanced off the field. And um, I came across a, a quote the other day that I wanted to share with you. So our old friend, John Hackworth, who's you know a, a fairly relevant name. I think in the USL championship play, many people might not know that, you know, you have a history with him. We're talking about the, the under 17 national players back in Philly. And there's a quote out there saying that I, I just thought was super interesting. Cause you don't know you're what 17 at the time he said, you know, he was a young man at the time full of ambition but I will tell you right off the bat he was as frugal then as he is now (laughs) if not more so (laughs) and he said he would get pretty good at at, you know at teasing his teammates so you know for how you spent your money and and how you did it and Hack said that he teased you for a long time for just being flat out cheap but he said he had no problem with it whether the teasing you know was from him your friends your teammates and you would never apologize it because that's just who you are. So obviously, uh, this frugal nature is something that you've always possessed. It's just it's who you are, it's in your DNA. And especially now being a professional and having so much, you know, professional experience under your belt, you've launched a frugal athlete in 2016. So I just, I, I would love to get a little bit of insight from you in terms of you know, where that frugal nature came from, why it's important to you, but also, you know, what do you hope to accomplish with this financial literacy company? Because it, a frugal athlete is such a cool endeavor.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much. And that's so funny. Uh, you brought back memories with Coach Hackworth. Uh, yeah, he's been an uh, influ- influential figure in my life, you know, just not even on the field, off the field as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's just growing up, you know, as a first-generation Nigerian American, my parents instilled, um, you know, some strong values. Whether it's you know education, um, just being efficient with what you do, like have purpose. Um, whether it's with your your financial decisions or your career decisions, um, be efficient in those in those in those decisions. And I just applied it. Whether I was too strict in how I applied it, um, I just always applied it uh, throughout my career um, especially when it came to uh, the financial decisions. So, um, yeah, I used to get made fun of a lot. And then now it's, it's funny to see it come full circle. And now, you know, fellow teammates are asking, you know, what I think about this or, you know, why I decided to budget this way. Um, but it's funny because those early years I was, I was getting a lot of jokes. Like you're a professional athlete, you need to do this, or you're a professional athlete. How can you do that? Um, but with the frugal athlete, um, Thank you so much. It's essentially an online media platform that promotes prudent financial practices and smarter decisions. So we just hope to you know be a resource for other athletes to kind of learn and evolve their you know financial playbooks. You know many times the biggest thing is that we don't have the information or the knowledge or real life examples of how to be smart with your money, and that's essentially what we try to provide. Um, that's that's essentially it.
1: Why do you think there's so many accounts of? professional athletes nowadays who struggle so much with managing their money. Is it just so much so soon? You know, what's, what's the issue there?
0: Yeah, I think it's a a number of different issues, but one point that you made that you made is that it's a a lot at a short amount of time. You know, you're young guys, um, young guys or girls coming into money at a young age without any, you know, hands-on experience or any knowledge. And it's tough to, to tell a young athlete who's worked their whole lives to make it this far to say you know what your career is going to be over so make sure you don't spend your money where wherein then the mindset of you know my my career just started this is just the beginning so getting that mindset across and then that the just the information you know if 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 a if someone that's not involved in soccer were to go on a soccer field they would have they would have to ask questions about, you know, what's offsides or what's a corner kick or what's a yellow car, what's a red car. And that the same applies for athletes when it comes to you know, finances. We don't know these things. So uh, whether or not we're afraid or we don't know how to re- ask the questions, we need to ask the questions and we need to be uh, responsible enough to find the right people that will give us the correct information.
1: In a perfect world, do you think that this is something that clubs could start to implement in the future? Obviously, I mean, this could be, you know, 20 years down the road we're talking. But um, I think that since we're seeing such a pattern now, it just makes me wonder if there's an opportunity there for some of these clubs to really put their athletes in a good place.
0: Oh, you're exactly right. Um, I think I think I think it's going to happen even sooner than that. Uh, you've seen it in other sports where they have like a player engagement coordinator or a career transition or uh, career engagement uh, administrator within the team or within the leagues. Um, and I think moving forward, I think every team needs that because as much as uh, you want to perform well in the field, the the less stress that you have off the field, um, the better you're allowed to perform or the, the better ability you have. Uh, on the field so I think it you know it it goes hand in hand and um, I would love to see each team each organization you know kind of invest in that and invest in their players Um, it goes a long way uh, not only for the performance but for the livelihood you can't play play soccer forever
1: obviously learning something that you really prioritize and uh, you know correct me if I'm wrong but you are pursuing a sports law degree at the moment on top of your undergrad correct
0: yeah, so I, I completed my undergrad in 2017, took the slow and steady approach, uh, two classes per semester, sometimes three, and I uh, ended up finishing in 2017, and I had all this free time, so I still had some you know, education reimbursement left, and I decided, okay, let me get my sports law um, degree through uh, uh, Arizona State University uh, graduate school or law school, and um, it's going well, so I'm due to graduate. Um, by May.
1: Now, Moby, I know you just completed an internship at LeBron's digital media company, Uninterrupted. So first and foremost, can you just give us a little bit of a background on what exactly the company focuses on, on day in and day out? Because I think, you know, the average fan has definitely heard of of LeBron's company, Uninterrupted, but may not necessarily understand what their focus is day in and day out.
0: Essentially, Uninterrupted is a, a digital media platform that lebron james started with his one of his best friends and co-founders maverick carter and essentially it's an athlete empowerment company so they tell stories through the athlete lens they work with different brands and companies and just, just produce content whether it's um sponsored content original programming um licensed you know films um but just through an athlete lens and gives athletes the ability to tell their stories in a different way uh as you know athletes large and small scale, you know, these do these appearances, they do these commercials, they do um, these films, but not through their lens. They're always doing it for somebody else, or they're doing it uh, on somebody else's terms. So Uninterrupted allows the athletes to kind of do it with their voice and their creative mindset in mind. Uh, The internship was a two-week internship, before the start of preseason, and it was just an amazing experience. I got to be part of, you know, the business development team, brand partnerships team, uh, social team, and just kind of take a two-week um, overview of the different, you know, relationships that they work with on a daily basis, and uh, hopefully, I uh, can continue the relationship, whether it's another externship or down the road, work with them in some capacity. What was
1: your biggest takeaway as an intern with a company, and you know, working with a cowboy or somebody like LeBron, whether that was directly with him or you know, just in the the grand scheme of things?
0: Uh, to be honest, my biggest takeaway is you know, um, a lot of things you may look at from the outside are not true. So when I first got there, I was like, okay, it's LeBron James' company. they just, all the deals come to them. They don't really have to do that much work um, because everyone's coming to LeBron James. But I got there and the first day I was just like, oh my gosh, everyone's juggling 20 to 30 projects. And you can really understand the, you know, the business acumen that they, that each individual within the company has to have and the organizational skills that they have to have. And it's not just because it's LeBron James companies. Uh, or LeBron James company that this this corporate sponsor wants to do a project is because they actually have a creative strategy they have a brand proposal they have an RFP they have all these different things that led them to get that contract or led them to do that project and um, I think much like sports or much like teams like you see things on the surface but you don't know what goes on behind behind the scenes and be, to be able to see that was uh, was really amazing
1: I think it lends a hand to showcasing how much bigger life is than just what's happening on the court or the pitch. And I think that's part of what LeBron's trying to do here. And I just think that with, you know, Kobe Bryant's tragic passing here recently, a lot of people have been reminded of that recently. And um, I I know that's something you and your teammates obviously know all all too well from everything you experienced with with, with Isaac this past year.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's still so crazy. you know, the unfortunate passing of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and the, and the seven others, it was just, I had, like, started getting flashbacks. And, you know, our team, you know, dealt with the, the, the sudden passing of Isaac Promise, which, you know, we still are struggling with, and it, it kind of just puts everything into perspective. And just like Kobe Bryant, just like Isaac, you know, they left their legacy. They left their mark in the world, and it's our job to kind of continue their legacies and continue to, you know, live the life that they did, and you know, be an example to so many others. And yeah, it was just, uh, it's just crazy even thinking about it. It feels like it just happened, but it's already almost. Oh, um, it, it's, yeah, it's just crazy. I
1: appreciate you sharing that with us. You know, I know that's something that, you know, you just, you can't imagine going through uh, until you're in that moment. And again, and I think it's so important to realize that it is so much bigger than, than the court or the pitch or whatever it may be. Um, you know, this upcoming season, there's obviously so much to look forward to a Moby and um, you have had <laughs> such a busy off season. So many adventures going on off the pitch, you know, if, if, somebody, if there's a rookie coming into your locker room this year, what's the one point of advice that you're going to tell them?
0: Uh, be ready because we have a lot of goals that we want to accomplish. Uh, you know, we, we had a good year last year, but we think we can, uh, we can expand on that. But uh, all jokes aside, I think if a rookie were to come in, I would just say to make your mark and leverage, leverage your career. Um, you know, these opportunities don't come you know, every day. So whether you're a player that's coming on loan, when you're you're a young player, you know, just looking for a chance to, you know, use this team as a springboard or you're trying to make your mark within the league, uh, take advantage of every moment that you have because, you know, I'm in year 10 now and I've seen the ups and downs. Um, All it takes is one game. All it takes is one year to really make your mark. And, uh, you know, don't just... Don't just be grateful of your opportunity, but don't just be happy that you're here. So I think that's what I would say to the young rookie. Also, don't try to take my spot. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I love that. Well, Moby, I I can definitely say that you're making your mark, at least here with with Scott and I, I mean, especially in this league and in this industry as a whole. It's incredible to see that everything that you're taking on and the career that you've had thus far, we're really looking forward to seeing what you do and what Awesome Bold FC produces this 2020 season. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. This was, this was incredible.
0: No, thank you so much for having me and looking forward to uh, more podcasts and more uh, content that you guys provide. You guys are doing great stuff. The league is growing every day, I, I feel like. So i uh, continue to follow.
1: I appreciate that, i You take care, and we will definitely be in touch soon.
0: All right. Talk soon. Hi, this is Meg Lanahan
1: of The Athletic, and you're listening to Steal Some Time. We're back on end to steal some time, Scott. How cool of a dude is, is a Moby? I think that um, when you talk about being a professional athlete, you have so many responsibilities, and that in and of itself. But I have so much respect for guys like him, who you know think big picture, who want so much more than that. Obviously, there's a passion there for everything he does on the pitch, but he wants to learn and he wants to grow so much. And God, how cool is it to have somebody like that suit up in a championship?
2: Yeah, it's great, right? Like, he's obviously a a man of passions, and I think it's cool to hear him talk just as equally about how excited he was for Austin Bold season as he is about his financial health for the future as his experience with LeBron and Co. I think I I remember geeking out a little bit, talking to him about the shop and, and everything that was going on. So, great guy. Obviously, really appreciate him lending any time for us.
1: Heck of a guy, heck of an interview. Appreciate him um, stopping by. Uh, We'll move into social moment of the week. We've got a few here that we want to talk about. I think first and foremost, we've got to touch on the new NWSL expansion team announced this week. So nicknamed the Angel City. Correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, but I believe there's no um, official name just yet for the club.
2: I think you're right. I'm pretty sure you're right.
1: Um, I know the, the nickname Angel City is what they're running with now. Um, fantastic piece by Meg um over in The Athletic. Obviously, just, um, you know, that's really redundant. Everything she does is fantastic. But this piece is super great. Um, it's very informative. Uh, I think the, one of the biggest things that you take away from this new Indigous team is that it is led by women. This is a a um, women-driven organization with um, a bunch of of really (coughs) high-profile Natalie Portman leading the charge there. Um, And, of of course, you know, 14 um, former U.S. Women's National Team players. Um, You know, you've got Alexis Ohanian, um, you you know, Julie Ehrman. I mean, there are are a lot of names with this organization and um, something really cool coming together over in L.A. And um, I, I think, what's interesting Scott too. And we've seen it here with a few of our clubs. um, One of those being Queens is taking the time, not to necessarily jump into uh, getting the team up and running. One of the points that, that Meg made in her article was that they're completely content waiting through 2021 and doing what they, what needs to be done, doing it the proper way. And then, you know, letting the gates open and and flood out in in 2022.
2: Yeah, it's great. Like, I think, I've long heard the cries from the NWSL and really the WOSO community in general that LA would be a great expansion market. I think it just makes sense on so many levels. And when you consider that they're likely going to use Bank of California Stadium, I don't know if that's confirmed or not, but when, when they're likely going to use the bank and they've already got that infrastructure there, you can take a lot more time. You can really slow roll the business development. You can attract sponsors you can work with a pre-existing obviously extremely thriving soccer community in a number of different areas and in a number of different languages too right like LA is so diverse so I think it's great um obviously to to even have a mix of soccer minds and capital and just smart business women involved like Mm -hmm. if that's your three-pronged approach then obviously you're doing something right Um, so I think to watch that team sort of sort of rise out of the, the ground there is going to be a lot of fun and one of many on the NWSL front too. I think that's a that's a booming league and obviously shout out Meg for um, for being on the case.
1: Meg's always on the case.
2: Always on the case, staying on the case. She lives in the case.
1: She lives in the case. Exciting news out of um, NWSL and the soccer community as a whole this week. We're really excited about that one. Um, and next one, Scott. How about our guy, Landon Donovan, coming back this week, seeing his former organization in, in the L.A. Galaxy? What do you think that moment was like for him?
2: Hopefully cool, right? Like, I think he'd have a different answer pregame than postgame. I think uh, he's probably really upset to to not get three points there. But obviously, like, wow. If there's ever been a player who's been celebrated in Major League Soccer, especially in Los Angeles, it's him. So I saw the, uh, the LA Galaxy 2 account posted the photo with the, the legend, the LD, all caps. So just a little nostalgia, a little throwback to the playing days. But um, obviously cool to, to see somebody thrive in their old digs again.
1: Love it. I'm sure, I'm sure Lennon loved it deep down.
2: Deep down somewhere. Just don't ask him about it.
1: Right, right. Uh, lastly here, I'm going to give a quick shout out to our guy in Charlotte, Brandon Miller. He's partnering with Heal Charlotte. So he made his announcement um, this week. And so Heal Charlotte, for those of you who aren't um, super aware, it's this foundation that was created to kind of bridge the communication between city officials and the community right now. So a really great social initiative happening in Charlotte. Brandon Miller is um, asking people to match his donations after games and help raise money um, for the organization. So heck of a cause coming out of there with um, with Brandon
2: miller yeah i love the the player activism in charlotte obviously yeah. roberts and everything he's done brandon miller everything he's done like that's a community that is is lucky to have the independence and obviously those guys using their platform for good is something we want to see it all across the nation um but definitely a shout out to brandon for for taking this initiative because it's it's obviously well worth all of our time to be paying attention to
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So moving into our week ahead, we've got games and we've got a lot of them heading into week five, uh, three ESPN uh, games this week. So we already saw Hartford and Loudon um, play on ESPN two on Monday night. Hartford looking extremely confident and comfortable um, in this restart. Uh, we've got Pittsburgh and Indy on Wednesday on ESPN two. And then Indy man just got a, a luck of the draw this week. I'm not sure what it is. So they're on for the second time this week. Uh, Um, as they travel to to St. Louis on ESPN Deportes on Sunday. So um, ESPN has been bringing us some fantastic coverage and um, in, in really allowing the the world nation to to see some USL Championship soccer. So that, that's been really exciting to see. I think, Scott, one of my big uh, question marks in week five has to be Birmingham in, in Tampa Bay. Um, We've talked about time and time again how unsure we are of, of what we're going to see from the Tampa Bay side coming into the, the next few weeks. But Birmingham also... I think there are a few question marks with them. Um, Nico Brett not in the starting eleven this past week, coming off the bench. Um, what do you what do you anticipate from this Birmingham Tempe game?
2: I think that was easily the most intriguing part of Birmingham's win this past yeah. week—not the Memphis game, but the Charleston game. Uh, like I love, I'm such a nerd. When those lineup sheets come through my inbox, I'm like immediately. Like I've never hit a yes so quick in my life than to see the starting eleven. And I saw, I was like scanning, 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 going down the list. And obviously, I didn't even see him in the 18 at first because their, their ops guy had put him at sub number one, which is, I'm used to seeing the goalkeeper there. Yeah. So I'm freaking out thinking, like, oh, no, 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 Nico Brett. Like, did something happen in training between now and then? Uh, and yet they still pull it out in Charleston at, at Patriots Point and sort of spoil the homecoming. So I think Birmingham has come out really, really hot. And a big win over the Rivals Memphis, a big win going to Charleston. Now they host Tampa Bay, who is looking to respond in their own way. Um, I love the offensive firepower. I love Brian Wright. I love Bruno Lapa. Their defense has been just as impressive on the other end. But I just, I love this Birmingham team and their um, co that we've seen. So Coach Tommy has them rolling. I think this will be one of their bigger tests of, uh, of the regional format, though.
1: I've got Birmingham um, as my pick and pick them this week over Tampa Bay. So, honestly, the the picks this Uh, week, I I saw the sheet and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm being set up for failure here. Like, these games are so hard to pick right now. You really – it could swing either way. Um, but I, I think, yeah, obviously with Birmingham being really strong right now, Tampa Bay notoriously is not great on the road. Um, that being said, Neil could easily really put some fire under them this week in, in training, and they can make a real statement in um, Birmingham this week. So you don't really know, but I think one thing we do know is that, that it's going to be a really exciting matchup. Yeah, Um, just
2: don't give me zeros, because now we've knocked it up the way through, so please don't give me zeros, that's all.
1: (laughs) No zeros. I think another one that we can definitely expect no zeros from is uh, Orange County and Phoenix, and when I looked at the week ahead this week, I was like, wait, didn't that just happen? Didn't we just see them play?
2: (laughs) They mentioned (laughs) it on the broadcast like eight times, too. Like, oh, by the way, next week we'll
1: do this again. Something that we're definitely not used to, um, but I think it's going to be so interesting watching these two clubs line up again because um, their their matchup this past week was was great. It w- it was entertaining. Um, I think. Um, Datashov is, is proving that he is really feeling that role uh, of Adam John and is that really important piece that um, Rick Shantz needed to bring on to his side. Um, that being said, I think Aiden Quinn and Chandler Hoffman in that unit now in Orange County is dangerous. Um, I, that was equally as hard of a pick for me um, going into it. Do you think that this time around, you think Orange County might be able to pull this one off?
2: It's going to be tough, right? Like, they introduced Chandler so late in the game that I didn't even think he was going to get on the field. And I was thinking to myself, like, when you put somebody in that late, do you even give them a shot to have an actual impact? And then they nearly get a winner super late. So I was like, yeah, clearly they know what they're doing. Almost like these guys have professional coaching license or something. And I definitely don't. So madness, I know. But um, this is going to be probably Orange County's most meaningful game, right? Because they host them at Championship Soccer Stadium. Now they go to Phoenix, and I know that that's obviously something that they want – or, no, the other way around. They, they went to Phoenix, and now they host them. To be able to do that, and I don't know what Orange County's doing in the way of, like, allowing a whole lot of environment. We saw their cutouts, which I was, like, super in love with, and I thought that was super creative. But um, I don't know if Scott Van Pelt's going to win them to a win over Phoenix. We've just got to see how it plays out. But, yeah, this is going to be a, another giant test for those teams
1: it's gonna be a good one week five coming ahead Uh, a lot of good matchups to look forward to we're gonna be back in action on Wednesday night um, a few games heading your way and and of course the one on ESPN two between Pittsburgh and Indy so don't miss any of those in week five you guys so of course we can't get out of here today without a little bit of shots fired Scott Stew is in a bit of a slump right now so let's hope that he can redeem himself a little bit and we're gonna bring on our guy Matt Calvo for for the first time Matt you've been quiet today in today's broadcast how are we doing
3: uh, good. Well, you, you all had so many uh, great points that I didn't want to. I didn't want to slow the train down by trying to jump on. So oh. I figured I'd let you all roll. Yeah, that's again. it. There it is. Um, hi. So uh, I honestly, I have to be honest, I didn't. Um, I didn't have something prepared until I was. I sat down with my lunch today, and lunch inspired today's topic. Uh, I love food. The the perfect grilled cheese.
1: Oh.
2: For Kelsey.
3: What uh I, I I do freely admit food usually goes Kelsey's way, but uh Scott, I'm I'm pulling for you on this one, man. Thank you. I
2: appreciate that, Judge.
3: Going
1: so many different directions.
3: <laughs> I know I know you, you've been in a bit of a slump here to start the season off, so I'm I'm, I'm rooting for you on this one, man.
2: Thank you. You
3: look like a grilled cheese kind of guy, so I'm I'm hoping this is right up your alley.
2: I do enjoy a grilled cheese.
3: All right, More so Kelsey, than me. Kelsey having having been having one last week you get the option to defer or to go first.
1: I feel bad because Scott had to go first last week. Um, So I don't want to do this to him again, Uh, frankly, just because I don't think I am going to be able to make a decision between now and then. So I might as well just kind of go and and, and go with it now.
3: All right. You ready then? Okay. Ready. 30 seconds. Go. Go.
1: So the best thing about a grilled cheese is that you can do so many different things with it. But if you're going a, a classic grilled cheese, it needs to have a bare minimum of four different cheeses on it. So I'm going a mixture of a shredded cheese, looking like a Monterey Jack kind of shredded cheese there. You've got to go with like... a. Um, like a soft spread, so I'm going like probably like a nice brie on there. You have to throw some mozzarella on as well, and then if you really, really want to get after it, you've got to do some sort of like crumble. Time. So I think, Oh shoot, I wasn't, I wasn't timing myself.
2: It was good though. It was good. And
1: I would add pesto.
3: Sorry, the pesto is not going to count because it was after the time. Dang it! <laughs> but you brought I'm the heat though. You did bring the heat on that. All right, Scott, are you ready?
2: Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> go. I definitely agree with the the four cheese element, but I think one crucial component that was missing that is a personal preference of mine at least, you got to get a little bit of mac and cheese in there too. You got to get a little bit of texture in that grilled cheese sandwich. So it's not just enough for me to have like all these different varieties. I got to add just a little bit. You could go the buffalo route. You could add some chicken, but I don't think anything can replicate just pure mac and cheese being added as just that next level grilled cheese experience. So, yeah,
3: add as many cheeses as you Time. want. A little more. Wow. wow, that was a very interesting suggestion. Thanks.
1: I did not see that coming I from you. See,
3: I did not see that coming. You know what? I, I was rooting for oh, Scott. Man. I was rooting for Scott. I think I'm going to go with Scott. I I'm think sure.
1: I'm going to go with Scott. Like
3: mm-hmm. uh, we're. we're... I, yeah, I first of all, I'm a big texture. To, to the food, like I like com- like texture combinations in food. I think it adds to the eating experience, but mac and cheese, heck yeah.
2: Mac and cheese and grilled cheese.
3: I will
1: it. say um, one of the best mac and cheeses I've ever had was, um, I think it was like a two or three type cheese, but the main one was a brie and um, apples on a mac and mac and cheese. I didn't think this was the group for me to present that with, because um, we know how the burger conversation went down. So I I steered away from that. But um, don't don't ha- don't uh hate on the the brie and the apple because it's a good combo.
3: Cheese and apples is uh, it's a dark horse combination. It you ever is. try you ever try a little bit of uh, melted cheddar on top of a slice of apple pie?
1: Oh God, I will now.
3: <laughs> It, it doesn't. Right.
2: This was the wrong audience for me, definitely. It I, doesn't sound. I know, but it, I love it.
3: Yeah, it doesn't sound normal, but a little bit of melted cheddar on your on your next apple pie slice, you'll thank me later.
2: Wow, I will take suggestions, guys. Thank you, appreciate it.
3: Well,
1: we're hitting lunchtime, so I'm gonna make myself a grilled cheese now. I think, and maybe throw a little bit of mac and cheese on, and take a take a win for my pal scott stew over here but that guys that's our show today a lot headed our way in week five um we learned a, a few things including that you might need to add mac and cheese uh to your weekly regimen so uh week five it's underway thanks for thanks for hanging out with us today we'll be back next week for some more steals in time